Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast, a curated series of interviews and discussions highlighting the three shields of orthopedic surgery at Mayo Clinic, clinical practice, research, and education. Welcome back to the Mayo Clinic Orthopedic Surgery Podcast. I'm really excited today to welcome Kalechi Akoraha. He is a orthopedic surgeon at Mayo Clinic, our Twin Cities location, and a sports medicine surgeon there. He did his undergrad and played basketball at Xavier, did medical school at Howard University, um, did his residency at Henry Ford, and then did fellowship at Rush. We're really excited today, and I'm your host, John Barlow. We're really excited today to talk to you about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, which is the topic of mentorship. And I think this is something that people really think comes naturally, but in many cases, it takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of effort. But I think for both of us, as we've talked about this over the last few weeks and months, it's something that's really important and obviously has been a building block for our careers in in orthopedic surgery. So we're going to hopefully share some uh, tips and advice about that. Thanks for joining today, Casey. Thanks for having me, John. Can you, uh, let's start off. Can you talk to me about some people that mentored you and what it meant to you to be mentored by somebody through either undergrad, med school, residency, or fellowship? Mentorship is uh, really important to me. It's, it's something that's near and dear in my heart because I really had some of the most amazing mentors in my career. And, you know, they're a big part of the reason I am where I am now. Um, so when I think of probably most recently in residency, I had two great uh, mentors. One, uh, his name is Nima Meron, and another one is Rob Keller. And they were three years ahead of me and two years ahead of me. They're both sports fellows that went to KJOT. And when I matched to Detroit, I knew nobody in Detroit. My first time was going there, I was on an interview, but they made me feel at home and like a family. They really wanted me to do better than they did. So they took me under their wing. They, you know, made sure I was doing research, really guided me to my goals, which was, you know, becoming a chief resident, matching in my number one program and, and getting some research done. So they really propelled me onto that path. And, and that's why we're so close today. Can you talk about how that relationship started or how, how, how did you or how should others choose mentors? Was, was it organic or did you say, I want to be like that person when I'm uh, in, in two years. Was it was it a two-way street, a one-way street? How did that go? I think it was a definitely a two-way street. So I think you can find mentors by people that have similar interests. So we all played basketball. So it's something that we did outside residency. We're friends. And then we all want to be sports surgeons. And so I think there was an interest on my side because I saw that they were successful and I wanted to be like them. And it was a, you know, something on their side where they looked, hey, this is a younger version of me. Let's help them get to where we are. That's great. And um, and did you, as as you started those relationships, did you formalize it anyway? Or did, did you just let it build organically? And then can you differentiate that maybe with, uh, let's say, faculty mentors who you said, this is somebody who I want to be my mentor to get me my fellowship or or otherwise is... Did you have different pathways to, to build that as a mentee? There's definitely um, different paths. Both are successful. One thing that Rob did for me is uh, when I was interning, he, he said, let's meet. You know, let's meet at Starbucks. Tell me what you want to uh, achieve in the residency. You know, sat down. I said, hey, I want to do this. I want to be chief resident. I want to, you know, get into my number one sports fellowship and I want to do research. He said, all right, 
let's put this down and here's how we're going to do this. And we came up with a plan. And so that's something I really, you know, learned from him and something that I in turn did to my junior residents to make sure that I wanted them to achieve more than I did and be successful. I think on the faculty side, it's a little bit different because I had to identify those faculty you see that were in sports or, you know, in a position I wanted to be and I had to approach them. So, hey, interested, uh, what can I do? What are some things uh, that I can uh, do to be successful here? Yeah, I think that's great. And it's interesting because all of us in academic institutions have some interest in mentorship of of residents. And I think um, it's it's interesting as you talk to residents about those relationships. And I think some of it has to be a little bit intentional on the resident side because we don't always know exactly who's interested in what early on. And and just that uh, I think all mentors are flattered to have somebody want to be a mentee and learn from them. So it um, it takes a little bit of starting that that conversation up and introducing yourself and even setting up a meeting and saying, I th- this is my personal opinion and I, I don't know your thoughts, but yeah. uh, to say, I, I want to be your mentee and I want to be like you someday. Can you tell me how to how to get there? Right. I, I, and I, my advice to people that want to mentor is don't be shy. Reach out. A lot of us, we want we want people to kind of mentor. We want people to kind of guide in that path. And we're not, we don't know unless you tell us. So you have to reach out and say, hey, I'm interested. And a lot of us will be gung-ho about being a mentor for you guys. Yeah. And the other thing I always like to talk to some, talk to residents about is there, depending on the personalities in your department, your division, and otherwise, you might have different mentors for different aspects of your life where you say, yeah, uh, this, this person is who I want my, um, my home life to be like, this is who I want to research like, and this is who I want to operate like. And I think yeah. it's a little bit, uh, I think it's okay to have that kind of a relationship with multiple mentors. Right. It's definitely, you're going to have different relationships. People have different personalities. So you're going to connect with someone on a, on different levels. You might have a sports connection with somebody else. You might have an intellectual co- connection with somebody else. That's great. Another thing that obviously uh, we've been talking a lot about recently is diversity and inclusion. Any thoughts or differences or nuances to choosing mem- uh, mentors for uh, residents or mentees of color, underrepresented minorities, or um, any any insight there? I think, you know, sometimes people can fall into a trap of only trying to find mentors that look like them. Now, there's nothing wrong with this approach, but a great mentor is anyone who's invested in your future and wants to help you. But I do think underrepresented minorities fight an uphill battle. So it's important to hear from other minorities and to pick their brains on what they did to succeed. Um, but you should find mentors from all you know races, uh, creeds, genders, ev- everyone. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes we, um, I think there's relationships that are built uh, either by convenience for programs or otherwise. And they say this person might match up with this person because uh, they look alike or, or otherwise. And obviously, and obviously sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. So just finding the right person or the right group of people that you can work with, I think is interesting, but I think there's probably benefit also having a broad network where you say our backgrounds have been somewhat similar. You might've overcome some of the same hurdles that I have and each person might have a, a little different spin on that. So probably important to have diversity amongst your mentors as well in that regard. Right. Very important. We got we've gotten reached out to through social media. Some some questions. One of the bigger questions that we got with some frequency is that uh, questions around 
How about if you're really early, like an early M1 or even an undergrad or um, early M2, and you don't feel like you're getting much traction, how should you approach mentorship as an early um, applicant? And uh, maybe how do you approach communication? How persistent should you be uh, without being annoying? It's obviously a little bit of an awkward situation when you don't, you're, you're not well connected. Any advice or thoughts about that? I definitely think the earlier you know what you want to do, it's better. Orthopedic surgery continues to be uh, one of the hardest specialties to get into. So if you're if you're trying to do all these things as a third year or fourth year resident, you're not going to be able to really do all the things, make the connections and, and get the things on your CV that you need. So you definitely need to start early. Um, I, like, like we talked about, identify people that are in the position that you want to be in and reach out. And then the biggest thing I'd say is you got to be persistent, but not annoying. So you got to realize, you know, I get hundreds of requests to be, you know, people's mentor. And believe me, I want to help everybody. But sometimes emails get lost, DMs get lost in the trail. So sometimes I need that second email to be like, oh, hey, I forgot to respond to this. And I, I definitely will. So I, I'd say don't be afraid to reach out to that second or the third time. But if you continue not to get a response, then that's probably a signal. It's really good advice. And it's usually the first advice that I give people when uh, when they ask me and I say, why don't you send me an email? And if you don't hear back in a few weeks, send me another <laughs> yeah. email. Yeah. And and I think it's really true. And I think the first there's a there's a real fear of being annoying there. And, and it's very unlikely that that would be perceived as annoying, especially right. with an email or two or three emails. Um, so I think a little bit of persistence is helpful because uh, I'm just like you and it gets buried in the email. Or I put it in a special folder and then and then I lose track of it, and I meant I mean to circle back. So a little bit of persistence, uh, a little bit of persistence helps um, in in terms of identifying those opportunities. The um, another question that uh, several people asked is how how did you you've been incredibly successful with your research, and obviously research almost all research happens through mentorship relationships. Thoughts about identifying and then strengthening research mentors. There's a lot of research that can be done remotely. So a lot of times you're in an institution where it's not a research factory. It has a research machine. Like when I went to Howard, there's not a lot of people doing research. So I had to reach out to people remotely. Hey, I saw you were doing this research. Is there any way I can be involved remotely? And I have people reach out to me all the time about that. So I try to get them on either we're doing public study or something that doesn't require them to be on site. Uh, and if you are obviously in a research heavy institution, that's easier. You just find out who's doing research and ask if you can help. Yeah, and I think obviously the what goes without saying, which you did really well, is to then be a completer of those projects. And the one thing that I think medical students and the, even undergrads have, uh, or one of the things that they have dramatically better than us is time available to really get the work done. And I think being a closer on research is the way that things continue to happen. And if you're someone who you get a project, even if even if the project isn't great, but you got to get it completed and finish and back to the research mentor. Otherwise, I think it it sort of has a potential to rather, rather than be a dramatically positive experience for you, one that could potentially even be negative. Yeah. And, and I think you have to identify that sometimes, especially when it's a project you created or you started up, that nobody's going to care or find as much value in that project as you do. So don't be deflated when you ask a co-resident to help you on it or, you know, a junior resident, they're not really doing, you know, what they need to do. You got to get it done yourself because only you are going to find that project as important as it needs to be. 
lot of my randomized controlled trials, I would try to involve multiple people, but I would be the one getting up at 3 a.m., you know, going to the OR, dropping the patient binders, going after clinic because I wanted to get that research done because I know how much it would mean to me. Yeah, that's awesome. And and um, somebody's got to do the legwork. And if you think you're going to ask somebody else to do it, I think in most cases, it's unlikely. So you're going to have to be the, the driver and the accountability coach there. Thoughts on how to use mentorship in or uh, how you used it in choosing either residency or fellowship and, um, and the importance therein? Just looking at relationships that I had with people in residency that, that helped me choose my fellowship because I was a person that could have done joints very easily. But like I said, both of my mentors were sports guys and they kind of showed me the path and I wanted to be like them. So that was really a key uh, factor in me doing sports. I think that's funny. And it's it's a very similar story to mine. I was thinking about a bunch of different areas, shoulder and elbow, sports, trauma, joints, and going back and forth. I ended up doing a research here with Dr. Sanchez, Sotelo and Mori, who are shoulder and elbow surgeons. And I, for whatever reason, just decided I wanted I wanted to be like them. And and so that really has has changed the trajectory of my career. And then interestingly, I asked them about where I should go for fellowship. And what they emphasized the most is a place where they felt like I would be mentored by the faculty that were there. So not a place where you are a sort of a commodity, but a place where you show up and there's real involvement and mentorship. And I would tell you, Jerry Williams, one of my fellowship mentors, is coming back to be our Coventry Award speaker in in a few months, and, and he continues to advocate for me. So we obviously really highlight the mentorship model at Mayo Clinic, but I think for me, it was essentially the defining characteristic of, of how and why I chose my fellowship. You're, you're exactly right. I think that choosing a fellowship, uh, one thing you have to identify is what do you want to gain out of the fellowship? Is it that mentorship? Like you said, a lot of people you know, want that one-on-one mentorship. They want that friend and colleague for the rest of their life. And I think that's big. Is it, do you want team coverage? Do you want to go to a top institution, quote unquote? You know, you really have to find out what do you want to, a uh, place that's hands-on and gets to do a lot of procedure. And whatever that is, you got to go to an institution that's going to fulfill that. Because if you pick the wrong institution for what your needs are, then you won't be happy. That's super helpful. Any thoughts for the mentor side of it about either traps that you see or pearls about being a mentor for for young either medical students or residents or how to be how to be more effective as a mentor for people? Ultimately, I think it's, you know, so important to give back and lift others as you climb. Um, my advice would be to think about it. Think about what it was like when you were that person in that person's shoes. You were unsure whether you were going to make it to where you are now. And just try to think about that and try to help people avoid the struggles you experience. Yeah, that's my sense, too. And obviously, the the one of the things that I think we we go through cl- busy clinical days and we have busy clinical lives. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to let our guard down and be personal and say, you know, I remember when I was a first year and I really struggled with, uh, you know, the concerns about step one scores or um, I, re- I was really nervous about having meetings with people. And and we only live in our current world where it's like, I don't know why people don't just approach me and ask me to be their mentor. So I think there's tremendous value in terms of that sort of opening yourself up to them, exposing your own vulnerability, because everybody at that moment is feeling really vulnerable in a mentee relationship as well. So I think, I think that's, um, that's really important. Any, any last minute thoughts for 
those people who are looking for a mentor or um, early mentees before we go? Uh, no, I think we covered it all. Um, be active, be persistent, and, and find your mentors. That's perfect. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I talk a lot with all the residents, each of our residents as they come through about, you know, identifying mentors in different areas that they're interested in. And um, those mentors really, those are the relationships that I think ends up being some of the most important parts of your career is those relationships you have with those that um, went before you or ahead of you. And also those who are, who are coming along with you and then those who, who follow afterwards. And I think it's probably um, the most satisfying part of working in an academic institution. You've been incredibly successful with research, but I think research is one of the nice parts, but I think the mentorship and those relationships are really, are really the most important part. So thanks right. for joining us to, to share some thoughts about it. No, thanks for having me.